Resistance Hour. I am your guest host today, Casey Whalen. Uh, I'm just uh, basically running a show today. Uh, Stuart's letting me uh, take the show today. To uh, we were going to have uh, Diego Rodriguez on. Unfortunately, uh, in his words, he's deathly ill. Uh, so please say a prayer for Diego and his uh, son-in-law Levi. They're both sick right now. So we're going to have a we're going to have a great great uh, topic today to talk about uh, CPS and in the state of Idaho the issue with the ba- uh, baby Cyrus. Uh, but we'll reschedule and we'll have him back on soon. So I know a lot of you were probably tuning in to listen to Diego today, but uh, unfortunately he's just not going to be able to make it. Unfortunately, this does happen sometimes in radio. So uh, we had to change gears here at the last minute, and I have a couple guest callers calling in. And uh, the, the topic today we're going to talk about is uh, political prisoners in the state of Idaho. Uh, and, you know, the state of Idaho going after people just for simply protesting and asserting their rights. And, People's rights has been an extremely influential uh, part of that 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 puzzle. Uh, we're trying to you know restore our liberty here in Idaho, and we found out the hard way that uh, you know these guys uh, the, the state just doesn't play nice, uh, absolutely not. So uh, we're going to get to that here. To, okay, well, we'll get here in just a moment. Uh, but I, I want to talk about uh, Ammon Bundy is uh, running for governor of Idaho, and uh, he will be in Sandpoint on July 21st. And uh, in Athol, Idaho, on July 22nd, and you can get more information about that if you're in the area and wish to attend a town hall at votefundy.com. Uh, one more thing I wanted to address before we bring on uh, my co-host here today uh, is uh, we're planning another uh, gun delaying, and so that's something that happened here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, in 2020 after there was uh, the BLM uh, riots and all that. Um, we showed up downtown in 2020. Uh, I would say hundreds of, if not thousands of people over a handful of days duration uh, to protest armed. And that caused, of course, a big row with the, the Marxists and the communists. So we made this a, a yearly thing where we're, we're going to show up uh, this year on August 13th in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Again, it's dubbed Gun Delane. And we're going to be there uh, on August 13th on Sherman Avenue. Uh, there'll be more details soon. We're still fleshing this thing out, but... Uh, we're, we're, you know, there's a cultural battle in North Idaho, and uh, patriots are tired of it, and we're standing up and asserting our rights, regardless of the red flag nonsense and, and, and the, the federal and state overreach that's that's been ongoing. We're gonna we're gonna stand up and, and defend our rights. So again, that's August 13th, and there'll be more information about that soon. I want to bring on my co-host today, Rochelle Emery. Uh, she's with North, uh, Health Freedom Idaho. She helps run uh, Health Freedom Idaho here up north. Uh, Rochelle, are you there? I'm here. Hey, Casey. All right, great. How are you doing today, Rochelle? I'm great. It's, it's a beautiful day, and yeah. Good day. It absolutely is here in North Idaho. Bums that, uh, yeah. so, bums that Diego couldn't talk ahead. today. I'm sorry I'm not a very good consolation prize. <laughs> 
Oh no, we you know what I was able to get a hold of some people. So we're today we're going to talk about uh, people's rights essentially, and you know these protesters that are being targeted by the state of Idaho. So uh, you know people's rights has uh, been very in, uh, influential. Uh, I'm going to bring on my yeah our guest actually right now to talk before I talk about people's rights. We have Susan Lang, I believe, on the line. Is Susan there? I don't know. We have to check to see a couple people on the line here. All right. Uh, Susan, are you there? I'm here. Casey, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Okay, and We're going to have a couple other guests. We're going to have a couple other guests call in, too, uh, I'm assuming. Uh, so, uh, Sam, if you just let me know uh, who's on the line, and I'll bring them on at some point. So, Susan, we want to talk about people's rights today. Uh, that's been a very important thing for us here, you know, in Idaho, um, after the, the government overreach and the tyranny that's going on here. And, uh, we know, we worked with Health Freedom Idaho. I've done a lot of protests with Rochelle here in North Idaho. And... Uh, what, in your words, like what, what, what is people's rights meant to you? Um, ultimately, like what, you know, what do you think of when you think of people's rights? Uh, well, you know, I have to tell you that I joined people's rights before it was even called that. So the very first meeting that it was called by Ammon Bundy in his warehouse, um, at the very start of the so-called emergency in Idaho. And there was just a small group of us, I think about 40 or 45 of us. Um, who saw his, his advertisement for this thing that didn't have a name yet. But um, we were all people that recognized that the government was overreaching, that regardless of what this coronavirus thing was, because remember, we didn't really know what it was back then. We knew that the government had no business doing the things that Brad Little was trying to do. And so Ammon Bundy, who I kind of I knew who he was, he called this meeting for people who were concerned about it. And so I went to that very first meeting, and so... Um, I just say that because I've really watched this thing take shape, and I've been there all along, and I've, I've been at a lot of the events that people might have seen in the news, um, including uh, people's rights going down to the Capitol a couple of times and so on. Um, and what people's rights has meant to me is, first and foremost, I've gotten to be with like-minded people, people who understand that um, government overreach is happening, and it's taking us someplace we really don't want to go. Um, so to to be with like-minded people and to to find those people who I might not have met in my regular life otherwise, it's just been invaluable. You know, this time when people have felt isolated, a lot of people have felt cut off maybe from friends and family who just absolutely didn't understand what was happening. Um, I've had this group of people uh, from all walks of life, but we all have this common understanding, I think, of liberty and freedom and uh, why it's so essential and why it was so important that we stand up. So uh, it's, it's just been a really uh, important group of people for me the last couple of years. Absolutely. And we've, we've partnered with, like I said, Health Freedom Idaho. We have Rochelle Emery on the line. So, Rochelle, we've, we've done, you know, we've worked, you know, there's been an issue of health. We've really been working in tandem, really put Health Freedom Idaho on a lot of, a lot of things. And, um, you were running or helping run Health Freedom Idaho, Rochelle, uh, before people's rights really came on the scene. So how, like, how has people's rights helped uh, with people to show up at the protest? What's your uh, thought on those um, things, on that thing, on those sorts of things? Yeah, it was people's rights was great. Um, I was really excited to see that 
coming to fruition because um, we had been talking about something similar um, with Health Freedom Idaho, uh, like like the texting and and getting um, like regional chapters, you know, and stuff, Um, just localizing because uh, like, you know, with these CPS cases and these medical kidnapping cases, we've found that like if you can send a mass text message to people and get them to go down to the hospital or wherever they need to go. When you have more people behind you, there's, there's power there. And, and, you know, the government, whatever, whatever agency is, is overreaching and being tyrannical, they, they start to tuck their tails and run when the people come forward. And so I, I watched that with people's rights. They really helped organize that aspect of, um, political activism and community, which was, you know, something that I had been, I had been envisioning how to do that. And it just, you know, we, we kind of, we kind of did that with Health Freedom Idaho. We were starting to build kind of regional groups and then, you know, COVID just knocked us all off of our feet. It was full time, you know, activism and not able to really do any kind of like building blocks, you know, for, for, for the local region, it was just kind of chaos, right? You know, it was like, okay, everyone go down to, you know, the health department, we're going to barbecue, you know, <laughs> or, or wherever, you know, wherever the protests were, we just kind of, we just kind of ran with it, right? You know, and so, um, but I noticed that like, um, people's rights really helped get it organized, you know, and, and streamline information. And so I, I'm, I'm tickled. We we have the, you know, we sign up, um, we get the text messages and stuff, and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really grateful that Ammon and that whole group, you know, brought that together. Yeah, and just, just for the uninitiated, People's Rights, if you're interested, you can go to peoplesrights.org and get more information. You can also join the network, and it's, it's a network, really. We're just communicating with our neighbors, and we're standing in the gap and defending each other's rights. That's really all it is. It's not a, a lot of people, some people that join people's rights to try to make things political. We really try not to go you know, into the political realm. We just want to defend each other's rights. That's what it's got to be about. And so people's rights has a network. And, and how this works is if you're, you know, you're in a county, you have uh, areas put up into a specific number of counties, and each area has an area assistant and if there's an issue in your area, uh, you contact your area assistant, and they will send out a mass message to all the other people that are part of the network. Um, you know, we've had people show up within 20 minutes to, to uh, you know, a business where people weren't allowed in with masks. You know, there's a, a multitude of, uh, of protests that, that have happened because of this, but uh, it's been extremely important. I can't stress that enough. When COVID first happened, uh, I didn't know what to do. I was an activist at the time, and uh, people's rights was like a godsend. And, and really, it's been extremely effective. So I encourage people to, to check out people's rights. Um, but Susan, let's, let's, uh, I think we, we might, might also have Aaron on the line. Uh, if Aaron's on the line, you can bring him on too, Sam. Uh, we, we have some, some victims joining our, our show today who have been affected by the state. So what happened with you, Susan? Tell everybody uh, on December 8th. 2020, uh, what happened to you? Yeah, wow. Um, well, um, if I could just back up for two seconds and um, sort of uh, 
kind of validate what Rochelle was saying. Um, Health Freedom Idaho and people's rights have really worked well hand-in-hand. I'm in the southern part of the state because I'm in Treasure Valley area. Um, So we had a lot of activity here at the the Capitol and at the Health District. So I'm assuming you have you have listeners outside of Idaho, right, Casey? This is we you have a wider listenership. So wh- what I wanted to say is that yeah. Idaho is kind of carved up into these different health districts, and so that's not necessarily something that people from other states would be familiar with. Um, so um, what started happening is that around the state. Um, uh, because we live in a so-called blue state, and in my opinion, Governor Little didn't want to be the bad guy. He didn't want to be the Jay Inslee or the Gavin Newsom with the heavy hand and say everybody must wear a mask. So what ended up happening in Idaho was that that burden was put on the lower levels of government, and we had these health districts trying to impose their will on the people. And the people were saying, no, we're not doing this. And we were pushing back, right? So... um the health district board here in the Boise area, Treasure Valley, um, is called Central District Health, or we call it CDH. And beginning in about June, they were trying to impose their crazy mandates on us. Uh, you know, it was just the, the typical government overreach. And um, we began protesting uh, first in the parking lot with signs. We had a couple of honking events. Uh, well, over and sometimes we were trying to go into the meetings to attend these public meetings because we have a right to do that. Um, And over time, they were discriminating against anybody who wouldn't wear a mask, and they were not allowing us into the building. So we are getting pushed further and further out of government at this level where they were trying to mandate masks. And uh, as of December 2020, they were trying to vote in an order that would have criminalized non-mask wearing. So, um, and it, it also would have criminalized a whole bunch of other things, like gathering in groups of larger than 10, I think, and, you know, no after-school soccer, all this kind of stuff. Um, well, the people of this area, the people of Idaho weren't having it. So Health Freedom Idaho, um, People's Rights, and some other groups really were showing up in numbers to protest at CDH. Well, but they weren't even allowing us near the door. By December 4th, of 2020, they had a line of 20 or 30 cops guarding the front of the door. They would not allow you in without a mask. So um, every, uh, so December 4th, they tried to vote. Just to to mention, there's videos out there for people to, these are videos too, like, so the people can go and, and see and go ahead. So December 4th, I showed up with many, many other people at CDH. I attempted to enter the building because I had been kicked out of the building on October 20th for not wearing a mask. December 4th, I show up and I say to myself, (laughs) pardon me, I say to myself, I'm going into that meeting because they're making this big life decision for us, and they're saying we can't come in without a mask. Well, that's discrimination. They call that trespassing, you know, but it's not trespass. They're, They're not allowing you in for not wearing a mask. So I said, I'm going in that building no matter what. Well... They didn't allow me in the building. There was uh, uh, there was a lot of commotion at the door. I ended up getting resisting and obstructing an officer for that December fourth. The following so, but we interrupted the vote. They did not vote on it December fourth. The following Tuesday, December eighth, for the second time, they're attempting to vote on this. And so, a few of us said, "You know what? These people are too cowardly to even show up for their own meetings. They're broadcasting in via internet. We're going to their homes." 
We are going to go to their homes because they're conducting public business from their homes, and they have pushed us out. You know, we have tried to do all of the proper channels over the months. We've been to the Capitol. We've written the letters. We've attempted to attend public meetings. So um, three of us went to then-Commissioner Diana Lachiando's house, and we peacefully and legally protested on her on the sidewalk in front of her house, beginning at exactly 5.15, because that's when the meeting started, and when we believed that she would begin broadcasting from her home. Um, there were just three of us there, and there was a handful of people at one of the other board members' homes, and um, we began making a heck of a lot of noise. Um, in my own mind, I said, I will be heard. You know, they're, they're, they're doing everything they can to not allow me to be heard in this government and to try to impose their crazy edicts on us. I insist that I will be heard. So out on the sidewalk, we made um, a lot of noise. I was doing Facebook Live, and, <coughs> excuse me, um, Facebook Live goes viral right away because Diana Lachiondo, uh, who apparently wasn't in her home, it turns out, she was in an office elsewhere, she had gotten news that her sons were home alone. I don't know why she left her sons home alone. So anyhow, the mayor calls in and says, stop the meeting. They stop the meeting. We were gone after 15 minutes. It was only our intention to protest for 15 minutes, be heard, make our point, and leave. We did that. Well, um, we made so much noise, and, and it got such instant coverage everywhere that um, they couldn't have us. They couldn't have us being heard, even though we didn't touch the property. You know, we never trespassed. Um, everything we had done, BLM had done the the summer before. You know, we weren't doing anything illegal, but we uh, made an impact. We interrupted the meeting again, and um, they said untrue things in the media. Mayor McLean came out and said, "We will hunt them." Um, she said publicly they would hunt us, and. Um, in the news media, they made a big deal that uh, investigators were working all night to find out our identities and arrest us. And so I was arrested at my home the next day at about 2.30 for a disrupting the peace charge without ever having been warned. Um, so it's really a violation of our First Amendment rights. That's, that's what happened. So I was arrested. It was book and release. I'm still facing charges for that because the case has just been dragged on and on because they've you know, the courts came to a screeching halt several times over the last two years. So, <coughs> excuse me, that's my story. I'm facing that might, disruption. We may, be going to, uh, we may be going to a break here soon, so if you hear music, we have to okay. go to a break. But go ahead, and, go ahead and continue. Well, I mean, that's just, that's, that's basically what happened. I was arrested the next day amidst a very big media storm. Um, you know, my, my little mug shot went internationally. Um, and then the two... Men who I was with, they were both arrested at later times. But it was very important for the uh, powers who think they be to arrest somebody publicly. You know, they needed to make an example. They needed to chill our speech. They needed to say, you guys can't get away with this. Um, but the truth of the matter is that we made a really big impact. You know, it was kind of a big news story for a couple of weeks. It was on the morning news radio talk call-in shows. Um, but we did stop. we did stop that vote. Um, from, and then the following week, December 15th, the vote finally happened amidst an even bigger protest. And Okay, we have, we got to take a break. We'll, we'll be right back, Susan. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right back here on Republic Broadcasting Network.
For the past 14 years, it's been my privilege to host the National Intel Report on RBN, to offer a platform to interview exceptional guests, to provoke critical thought, and examine evidence, whether real, fake, or somewhere in between, and allow our audience to call in and participate with your input and questions in order to help us all reach an educated decision and arrive at our own truth. Our world has changed. It's now been turned on its head. Real is now considered fake, and mainstream fake is now pushed as real, rather than any clear thinking, consensus, or rationale. Those few remaining beacons of light, the ones still shining through the mainstream media lies, propaganda, and deception, are being viciously attacked at every level through attempts at censorship, threatening advertisers, jailing hosts, and even killing journalists brave enough to speak the truth to you. We are in a war for our very freedom and existence, and through these despicable acts, freedom haters, collectivists, and communitarians have shown they will stop at nothing to blot out these last few beacons of light. Truth is becoming increasingly more difficult to unmask, just as the term unmasking itself is spoken by those usually anonymous sources. They promote their lies, wishing to mask the truths by ignoring it, vilifying it, or conspiratorializing it into a black hole abyss. Regrettably, RBN has reached reached the the tipping point, point, and through internal audit and actuarial review, it has now been determined that the only life raft of survival to this network is to go the way of PBS, that being audience-supported like a cornered animal, the left with veracity is pulling out all the stops with every effort to effectively blacken our beacon forever. Help us, folks. Help yourselves. Don't let our light stop shining. Our motto has always been, because you can handle the truth. It's time to review your budget, folks. If you want the truth to keep flowing through RBN, go to republicbroadcasting.org and become a regular monthly donor of 30, 40, 50, or 100 or more a month and ensure you keep the truth flowing. Hey there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new ease-off drop and lift? What in the world is an ease-off drop and lift? Our ease-off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the ease-off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my ease-off? Go to easeoff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry, because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. Easeoff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. Easeoff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Back to the White Rose Resistance Hour here on RBN. And if you're able to, please help support the network and, and make sure that free speech can thrive in these uh, dark times. Uh, you can do more. You can do donate by going to republicbroadcasting.com. Uh, we really would appreciate that. Uh, now, Rochelle, I wanted to ask you a question here. It, you know, uh, people's rights have seen a lot of uh, arrests from protesting. Uh, has HFI, you know, I don't think there's like a lot of arrests happening in HFI. It really seems like people's rights is the right, com- uh, right mixture of, um, I don't know, things of state. 
They're having an issue. Uh, you know, welcome back, everybody. If you can, support the network by going to republicbroadcasting.com and help make sure that free speech can thrive in these dark times. Uh, you know, I, I want to ask Rochelle a question here really quick. People's rights have seen a large number of uh, arrests just from pro- protesting. Um, has HFI seen, seen many arrests for, for protesting, Rochelle? Uh, sorry, I got kicked off the, my, uh, the call, like, kicked me off. I had to call back in. Um, so we had an, an HFI member um, actually um, oh, like manhandled by the police down in Boise, and like they hurt her really bad. They injured her neck, and I believe they, I think they arrested her. I can't remember. Uh, it on live stream, and it was, it was horrible. Um, just, you know, how aggressive the police were. Um, I believe it was, I think it was a court trying to go to court for something, and I think Ammon was there, too. I, I can't remember what the situation was, but I do, I do remember that track, she was, sorry, what? I just said it's hard to keep track with all these protests. Oh, I know. There were so many of them. And so, um, I mean, I think that a lot of the people's rights people are also Health Freedom Idaho people. Like, we're all just kind of, you know, like-minded and support the same thing. So I I, I don't know. Um, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know why we haven't had a whole lot of arrests. <laughs> um you guys have been on the front line, I, I, I too, with it, us. So, I, I mean, like I together. said, I think it was just kind of a group thing. Yeah, and we may have some other guests on the line, too. I'm not quite sure. Uh, Sarah Brady may be joining us, uh, Aaron Schmidt, uh, and Garth Gaylord. So if any of you are on the call, feel free to chime in if you're here. Um, but, Susan, so you're still going through this, uh, and it's been a year and a half now. You were actually supposed to have your recent court date, what was it, July 28th, and they pushed that? Uh, well, I, I, so I had court, or rather um, my trial for the disturbing the peace charge was scheduled for July 27th, finally. And um, they switched my public defender on me at the last minute, and I had no communication with them. And so um, I have a new defender, and through that defender, I, um, I requested that my trial be pushed back so that I'll have time to work with this new defender. And so we don't have word back, word yet on whether or not my trial is going forward on July 27th. I'm guessing it won't be. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Casey, if I could just add a little something to what Rochelle was saying. I think the person that she was sure. speaking of who had their neck injured, um, I believe that was at Ammon and Aaron's, um, attempt to go to their first trial on March 15th, 2021, and that was the situation where we were kind of ambushed from behind. We are just a peaceful crowd standing outside, ambushed from behind by Boise PD. I, I, I think that's... At the county courthouse. 
at the Ada County Courthouse, yeah, because there was a lady who I know, and I'm not going to say her name because she didn't give me permission, um, but I'm pretty sure she's an HFI person, as most of us are. Um, and she had her neck badly injured that day by um, BPD putting her in a, I'm not sure what you would call that hold, but she's a shorter woman, and he grabbed his arm around her neck for absolutely no reason and really, really injured her neck. Well, and, and explain for people what happened. You, uh, we may have another break here soon, so we hear the music going to take a break, but... So people were showing up at the Ada County Courthouse to support Amber yeah, well, and Aaron Von Schmidt. Yeah. And right. then so it they sounds were like ambushed it, by the police. Yeah. Or the Sheriff's Department, it was, I should say. It was their court date, and they had made clear that they wouldn't be wearing masks. And, <laughs> excuse me, so the law enforcement at the door, including Under Sheriff Scott Johnson, was not allowing them in the court, and they're saying... You know, we are here, we're ready for our trial, and law enforcement was saying, no, you're getting failure to appear. So that's something that's happened several times to many of us. You show up at the courthouse in good faith, ready to do your court business, and they, they don't allow you in um, without a mask, and they say, well, you got failure to appear. So that's what happened. Ammon was right outside the door. Am, I'm not sure where Aaron was standing at that moment in time, but there were about 50 of us as supporters, just peacefully and lawfully there to witness the trial. And, and uh, Under Sheriff Scott Johnson gave a little uh, subtle hand signal, and all of a sudden we were sort of pushed and shoved from behind by um, Boise PD, and there may have been some deputies from the sheriff's office. I'm not sure, and I'm not sure about ISP. Anyhow, they sort of ambushed us from behind. <coughs> in order to get to Ammon and arrest him and drag him in the building, which wasn't the last time we saw that maneuver. And like I said, they hurt this one woman. There was another man who we know was pushed down, smacked his head on the concrete. It was a, And then two, um, two or three of our friends were arrested that day just uh, for the craziest things. You wouldn't believe it. But basically, for being pushed by Boise PD, they were arrested. I know that sounds ludicrous, but that's what it amounts to. Just for being there, they were arrested. Yeah, and so they were they were denied access to the courthouse for not wearing a mask, and then they were dragged into the courthouse without masks on for not complying with the mask order. Isn't that crazy? Hey, That's uh, exactly what happened. Yeah. Hey, Casey, this is... Oh, Aaron, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All yeah, right, I great. Yeah, so this is Aaron Von... It, this is... No, no worries. This is Aaron Von Schmidt. He was at the Ada County Courthouse, the story that we're actually telling right now, with Ammon Bundy. And t tell us a little bit about that day, since we're talking about that specific topic where you were dragged in the courthouse with Ammon Bundy for not wearing your mask. Oh, it's, it's, it's uh, quite, quite interesting, actually. Uh, there was photos uh, of individuals in the courthouse that were not wearing masks that worked at the, at the, the court. Um, and also, uh, there was a juror member that was uh, assigned to go there for jury duty, and they denied the juror the opportunity to participate because that person wasn't able to wear a mask. And so the only eligible people that were able to be part of the jurors were ones that are willing to wear a mask. And um, the other part of it that's pretty interesting, too, is there's, there's an agreement with the commissioners over that property about uh, access to that building, and uh, we, the public, are supposed to have access to that building, and uh, their access out doors. And 
through. Well, it, and Aaron, you actually had a county commissioner there su- supporting your right to go into the courthouse. Uh, what was his name? And, and yeah. tell us about that, too. That's really interesting. Um, Davidson. It was, it was, I can't remember his first name. Ryan Davidson. Yeah, that's who it was. Ryan Davidson was oh, actually it, there in support. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's, he was there asking in support to try to allow us to attend our trial. I mean, he appeared at the address that we were summoned to appear at, right at the very very place, and they refused us entrance to the building. The interesting thing about that is the commissioners oversee that building, and so the, uh, the magistrate judges only have authorization over the courtrooms. So they were somehow given authority to manage the entire courthouse and not allow the public in to attend any trials, to attend any court business whatsoever in the in the in the Ada County courthouse. So, how has this authority been changed? Uh, and and the commissioners either you know uh, not have any ability or um, uh, to allow the public in after they have a signed or written agreement of that building. And this is this is stuff that's this like where are these changes coming in where there's uh, you know constitutional rights for us to have uh, due process. And we'll have public uh, access to public property and buildings and being denied um, under these ludicrous draconian measures that, are, that have been going on in Idaho. Um, but Aaron, you were people, also at the Idaho. Go ahead, Aaron. Sorry, let me tell you all. Oh, yeah. You know, this has been going on all over. Uh, and uh, with. There's there's lots of money being exchanged, you know, through records requests. You can find that there's been, you know, the state of Idaho and all the other, and many other states, if not all of the states, have been receiving several billions of dollars. It was allocated um, during the, the Trump Trump administration called the White House Profiles, and that was delegated to the to the governors if they were to um, go with certain measures such as closing down the churches. Uh, closing down the businesses like they did, and these these kinds of measures. And so, um, after one COVID case, the governor of Idaho, Brad Little, um, uh, did an emergency order and um, declared that the churches should be closed and all these things that happened. And that was right during the same time that this money was allocated. And um, so the people... You know, we're going through this whole this whole lockdown, and uh, Governor Little actually um, was going to uh, pass, try to pass some type of legislation to where he could they could have immunity for what they're doing. You know, all these draconian measures. So they wanted to have immunity immunity from this, and so the people got wind of this, and people from all over Idaho were went to attend the Idaho State Capitol, and. There was probably, I don't know, two or three hundred people that went and attended there that were families from all over Idaho. And uh, they did not want to allow the people in to be part of the legislation process. And so um, the people made their way into the room, and and the, uh, they weren't very happy about that. And, you know, after that happened, the very next day... Um, but things were going more normal and operating more like they're supposed to, where the public could attend the build, the rooms and stuff like that for the, the legislation. And then um, some strange things were happening. There was a buildup of police um, of all of all kinds of, na- of departments. We had the, the state police, 
Um, from what I understand, there were almost all of them were there except for just a few of the state of Idaho. Uh, there was SWAT teams there. There was sheriff's department. There was the police department. They were kinds of support to to testify, um, and were you know the, the the police not necessarily were denying it, that, but some of the some of the uh, Incidents were happening where people were signed up to go to go give testimony were denied the opportunity to give testimony, and um, and there was a lot of people attended that wanted to share their their feelings and concerns about this immunity bill, and so the the people are being all of a sudden there's this reinstating amount of authority by the executive branch um, that uh, was denying the people their ability to, um, you know, say what they were feeling or what they're concerned about. And so I was arrested, and along with Ammon Bundy and uh, uh, a couple other people. And because what date was that, Aaron? That was what date was that? What? That was I think we're kind of losing your signal. We're kind of losing your signal there, Aaron. Can you repeat what you just said? Yeah, it's August fifth uh, of twenty. Oh, yeah, you're kind of breaking up. August 5th of 2020? August 25th of 2020. Oh, August 25th. Okay. So, you, yeah, and then you, you guys were at the uh, Ada County Courthouse on March 15th. Is that right? 2021, where, you know, they grabbed you and Ammon and drug yeah. you into the courthouse. So that's what led to that, that, that occurrence. I just want to make that clear for people uh, so they understand a little bit better. So, but uh, yeah, you're leading up to uh, the window breaking. I'm assuming there at the Capitol. Yeah, yeah. The uh, there was a window broken. That was actually the first day when the people were there. There's a window that broke, and what happened is there was an officer that that uh, there was officers that were trying to uh, detain the people from entering the uh, um, the legislative room to be part of the session, or to prevent yeah, them that. from attending. So one of the officers on the house side, the, uh, window, yeah, yes, yes, and one of the officers had uh, broken the glass with his. Uh, I, I think it might have been his gun or something that broke the glass. Well, um, the uh, the the news had uh, twisted that, made it as if the people had done that, and um, um, and that was not the case whatsoever. In fact, they actually made a statement that it was not, and. Um, but this is kind of the narrative: is that, 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 that the media is not showing both sides of the story. So, in fact, the, the truth is far, far from that that they're providing. And um, you know, luckily, there's been uh, individual journalism that was there. It was recording to show videos of what literally happened. Um, I had actually I was arrested, and they, my uh, camera, all my footage was deleted from the entire day. Um, um, after that event, so they were very concerned about that footage being out of what people are getting. In fact, the uh, all the video from the entire couple of days of that event was denied from the public, and it was told that it was deleted. Magically, that disappeared, and there was hundreds of cameras, and it's never happened before that that that, that all the videos ever disappeared from United State Capitol. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, but something similar happened to me, too. Actually, I was at the Bonner County Courthouse, and they arrested me for not wearing a mask with some protesters. They arrested me, though, specifically, uh, or detained me, I should say, put me in leg irons and cuffs and put me in a cell, 
uh, for half an hour, and then I was released. Uh, and I, I've been trespassed for a year from the Bonner County Courthouse. But I tried to follow up and get records requests for all the video uh, cameras there. Um, three weeks after that happened, and they told me, well, we delete our, our video footage after two weeks. I, I don't believe that for one second. So um, it really seems like there's a political uh, angle to all of this, uh, you know, especially with the baby Cyrus ordeal too, right? Um, that it, it really feels like that the state is targeting people's rights, and, and, you know, all we're doing is standing up for each other's uh, individual rights. So, uh, I, I, it's just very, it, we're, we're basically exposing the state, <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it, it's unbelievable that, uh, there's, I mean, I, I, I've been in Idaho pretty much my whole life. I was raised and did not know there's so much corruption. I've never would have believed it if someone told me that. But after seeing what yeah, I've people, seen, um, and the people being being going through this horrible experience through this process, and seeing elderly denied the opportunity to get groceries, and people attend church, and uh, um, these draconian measures through the judicial system, uh, it's, it's unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, and so and so then you go to Ada County Courthouse for your court date, and then as Susan was explaining, people were arrested. Well, not arrested, they're charged with. Certain things, and you know, I want to talk about Casey Baker. Susan and I want to talk about Casey Baker. Let's talk about, you know, tell us a little bit about uh, him. You know, uh, Susan, let's let's let Susan uh, chime in here about Casey Baker, and then Aaron, you can kind of pile on there a little bit. Um, tell us what happened with him. He was in the crowd supporting Ammon and Aaron on was it March fifteenth, twenty twenty one, at the Ada County Courthouse. Yeah, that's right. So he was one of the many supportive people there. Just standing in the crowd peacefully. And um, the thing about Casey, I believe he was, I want to say, 69 years old. He suffers from um, uh, injury-induced Parkinson's. So anybody who has known Casey for any length of time knows that he's not very steady on his feet. His wife often um, is helping him to walk. Um, And so he was just standing in that crowd when the police pushed through and um, there's a lot of video of this from different angles, but the police kind of busted through, and Casey just sort of, uh, he refused to move. He just sort of stood his ground, which is his right to do, you know, when somebody is pushing. And um, also, as he explained many times later, his wife and her friend were standing behind him, and so um, police officer busted through, and Casey reached out. Casey's hand may have contacted the officer's arm. I think the officer may have grabbed Casey's arm. In any case, Casey ended up being charged with, um, I want to say, assault uh, and battery on an officer. Just really insane. And yep, yep. It, right. for anybody who watched that footage, it was clear that Casey did nothing. But for a person who also knows Casey and knows how unsteady he is on his feet, you know, it really looks like Casey was attempting to keep himself upright as he was being pushed. Um, so Casey ended up in the system, and maybe Aaron remembers specifically. I think Casey maybe began with two felonies and a misdemeanor or something. Oh, well, I should say that actually when they arrested him, they dragged him inside, and they threw him on the ground. Again, no mask. They threw him on the ground, and they shackled him. This 69-year-old man who is really, you know, not steady, not that strong, 
Um, and then, yes, they took him to the jail where he remained for over 30 hours. And, um, yeah, so that's the story with Casey. Well, and he's a, we need to mention, he's a very sweet, kind man. Oh, I don't think the guy he, has he a, is not he's a, violent a very person. kind guy. I mean, none of us are violent people, right? We are people who are standing our ground. I mean, I guess that that's the thing I failed to say about people's rights in the beginning. What we are is we're just defending our rights by standing our ground. We're not aggressive. We're not violent. Um, but it's true. Casey is the last person you would describe as violent or aggressive. So it's such a travesty for him to be accused of what the police actually did. They actually assaulted all of us. They pushed me from behind. I literally didn't know what was happening, and somebody pushed me from behind, and then um, I, you know, got real vocal at that point because I didn't know what was happening. They, they, they assaulted all of us, and this, this very kind, gentle old man, older man ends up with an actual charge. It's so upside down and backwards that I truly don't think you can understand it unless you saw it, unless you saw the video. It, it's just that that upside down and crazy. And none of those officers can be charged for assault? Like, I, this seems like, I mean, I know the answer, right? It's kind of a rhetorical question, but like, are the, there, well, there's no recourse for any of you guys to, to press no, charges that, it, against the police officers? Well, well the, the, I don't the, the thing is, is, none of that will in general. There was a request to the sheriff in a county to tell to us to attend our trial, you know, without incident. That was denied. They they did not escort us into the uh, the courtroom as our rights would allow. And um, instead, as the public was waiting outside to attend, and there was, you know, obviously jury that were being denied too, and, and you know, I was, as a defendant, being denied, and Amma was being denied, um, they instead... With force, rushed the crowd, rushed people, pushing through the crowd, people over, and then and then yep. as people were forced into a, 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 you know off their feet and knocked around, you know and being injured, um, they were charging the public with assault. So to and answer Rachel, real, real quickly, I just want to mention Sarah Brady's calling in, so we'll, we'll talk about her in just a second. I uh, just wanted to let you know. Go ahead, Susan. I was just going to say, to go back to Rochelle's question, um, it is possible to press charges, and I don't know all of the parameters of that. Um, and and I'm not saying that the justice system is working perfectly because we've seen all the ways that it isn't. But I do think that there is hope to um, <laughs> address some of it through the, through the justice system, through federal court. A couple of people, one of the people who was arrested that day was Garth, um, and then a couple of other people and guards have already taken uh, the steps to file a lawsuit in federal court. And I'm not sure exactly who they charged. And, again, I, I don't understand the process well. But it is possible to bring lawsuit against these bad actors in government and in law enforcement. And even though we may not win every time, I think it's something we absolutely have to start doing. So I'm glad Rochelle brought that up. Oh, thank Great. you for telling me about that because it concerned me that, that this is just lawlessness is going on. So I'm really glad that Garth and, and that other individual are pursuing that, and I wish them the best um, to win that case. I just want to mention, uh, let's, let's, let's pivot real quick and talk about uh, Sarah Brady. 
since I, uh, she told me she's calling in. So let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about that. Um, you know, she was. Uh, this was actually what what motivated people's rights to uh, enact the, the network. From what I understand, the first actual protest that we uh, all showed up for. Um, can you tell us about that? I don't know if either one of you were at um, the police officer's home after Sarah was arrested uh, back in 2020 for taking her children to the playground. She actually had the audacity to do that during COVID. Uh, can either one of you address that issue? Susan, were you at, were you, were you, uh, at any of those protests? Yeah, I've been, I've, been, I've been around, Casey. Oh, my goodness. When you bring this up, I'm like, I was there and I was there. There's so many protests. It's hard to... You know, well, you know, I did not... Let's set it up in case she calls in. Um, so, um, actually, the, night, the day that Sarah was arrested, uh, People's Rights was already having an um, activity. A, we were already going to the homes of Brad Little, and Dave Jepson, head of uh, health and welfare, to serve them with some redress of grievance that had been properly written up. Um, and so that was already in the works. And then it was late in the afternoon when Sarah was arrested, and we were all meeting together as people's rights, and it was decided that we would go to the arresting officer's home. And again, I just want to say we were peaceful, we were lawful, and we were on the sidewalk the whole time. But it was a little bit um, interesting because when we arrived at that officer's home, there were already two or three officers there protecting the house. They were actually in the driveway. <laughs> so it's very interesting that oftentimes when people's rights shows up, the police are there ahead of us, um, which, it, which is extra interesting because we don't break laws. We haven't broken laws. Um, and yet they're always there. They're always somehow aware. Real interesting. May have something to do with the fusion centers. I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, that's another I'm guessing show. Right. Um, we have Sarah. I believe Sarah Brady's on the call. She says, "So, Sarah, are you there?" All right. Uh, she, she said she's in the call, so uh, I'm not sure Sam is if Sarah's there. Too many on the call. Okay. Do you want um, me to drop off right. Casey, and then she can call, she no, can hook no, in? He just doesn't. No, it's okay. He doesn't know who's on. On uh, we had a, 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 a lot of callers apparently. Um, I guess Sam, why don't you just bring on some of the callers then, if you want? Uh, all right. If if we uh, have a caller that joins us, we'll uh, we'll address that. So there's a number of other people we could talk about. I mean, Susan, you were at Diana Lachiando's home with Robert Jones and David Pettinger, I believe, right? Uh-huh. That's right. We were the, we were the very loud threesome that all got arrested for <laughs> disrupting the peace. And you were, just on, you were just on the sidewalk, too. You weren't even, you didn't, like, oh, yeah. that you, you know, banged on the door and freaked out her, her child. And, right. Uh, you guys so, were right there for 20 that's... minutes. It was only 15 minutes, and I think the main thing was, um, you know, as luck had it, she wasn't there, and her child was home alone, so or her child or children. I'm not really sure. So the story quickly became that we were terrorizing those poor children. Well, as I like to say, we didn't leave those children home alone. I don't know who did, but we didn't. And we wouldn't have gone there. I mean, I can speak for myself. I wouldn't have gone there if I had known that, 
Wachiondo wasn't at home. We went there to be heard by her because she was very specifically keeping us out of government and wanted to make it an arrestable offense to not wear a mask, you know. She was really trampling on her. She was terrorizing our families. I'm just going to say, that's what she was doing. Um, but then the news story became, we terrorized her poor children, and we were awful, and people's rights was awful, and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, that's the way the news story played out. So that's why they had to very publicly arrest. They had to make a big deal about it. They, they couldn't let it stand. You know, how dare we, how dare we not go through the proper channels? Um, and, of course, what they didn't report is that every channel had been closed to us. And furthermore... Standing on their sidewalk, banging on a drum, is not illegal. You may not like it. You may not do it yourself, but it isn't illegal. And if you want to start putting free speech into a box, that gets more and more dangerous. Well, that's what they're doing by publicly arresting us and um, trying to publicly uh, shame, you know. Well, and and after that happened, you had, I think, the mayor, you had Brad Little. They were all piling on again. You know, how dare you go protest at, at this county commissioner's home? And then they also tried to pass a law in Idaho where you can't protest outside of elected officials' homes, correct? Right. So then Greg Cheney, he's the one who brought that um, in spring or the session of 2021, you know, a year and some months ago. Um, And that did not pass, although somebody tried to bring it back again this year. So that's pretty interesting to see how that's going to play out. Um, who knows what will happen in the session next year when they, when they try to pass that again. Because here's the deal. The thing with politicians, um, a few of them, I suppose, are principled. I, I suppose you can remain in office and retain your principles. I would say it's probably pretty rare. Um, because every single politician and judge and police officers looks at that and says, well, geez, I don't want people coming to protest at my house, and their principles fly out the window. At that point, they're, they're, they're voting on self-interest. When the fact of the matter is, if you wouldn't be a tyrant, if you would actually follow the procedure and the Constitution and the very good laws that we have in place, nobody would be coming to your house. You know, that is happening because... Uh, because everything's falling apart, you know, because they're allowing it to fall apart. That's why people are going to homes. Yes, and, it, you know, it, it's, it's getting pretty ominous, honestly. <laughs> but uh, we have to keep standing up for each other's rights. It's so important right now. So that's why we're, we're doing this open carry event in Coeur d'Alene on August 13th. To, because the, basically what's happening in North Idaho is they're trying, these, you know, these people that don't like America are trying to steal the narrative. That's all they do. Uh, they're professional victims, and you know we're it, it's powers and principalities. It's you know it's a it's a you know it's 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 bad. That's what's going on. It's you know we we have to band together now. It's so important. So, uh, Aaron, you know you this took up a lot of your life, right? I mean, I want to say like a year and a half, maybe. Uh, you were planning to move down to Florida. And you had to hang out here in Idaho for a while. Um, what, what's your thought on the, the current state of affairs in Idaho? Do you think there's any chance that we, the people can turn things around and restore liberty in Idaho? You know, I, I, think there's a, I do think there's a chance, and I think the chance uh, is that door is closing. And uh, people, they can't keep staying at home thinking someone else is going to save them and they need to they need to participate get involved get involved locally in their community they need to get involved 
if they if they're you know can find interest in people's rights, it's a great opportunity to learn a lot. You meet your community members, uh, learn about uh, the Constitution, learn about uh, your rights, and um, and stand together as a community sure. to to protect those rights. Um, that's that's another avenue. Um, so and the, the, we uh, also have town halls uh, in certain you know in every area. Uh, it's run by the people. We have, I don't know, maybe bi-weekly uh, town halls, or once a month. It depends on the area you're in, I guess. But oh, And we have speakers that will speak at these town halls, and it's a way for the people to come together and address issues that are, you know, pressing on them. And it's a great it's a great tool. Like, I only use it for certain things. I don't, you know, it, it's, it's kind of up to you. Do you want to go to the town halls? You know, you can if you want to, if you want to learn about communications, uh, ham radio, um, you know, getting together with your neighbor, it's a, it's a really great, great resource. And I encourage people to definitely check out people's rights. But we're getting really close to the end of the show here. And I would like, uh, Rochelle, can you, why don't you go ahead real quick and, and plug uh, Health Freedom Idaho for people to, to follow? Yeah, so healthfreedomidaho.com. I think our current website, we do have healthfreedomidaho.org, but I think the .com is the one that's working. Um, and, you know, uh, if you want to follow me on Facebook to see what's going on in North Idaho, um, you can you can find me on Facebook. Um, but really, just healthfreedomidaho.com is it's a wealth of knowledge. There's so many, so many things on our website. Um, I don't know if, I don't think our website really, uh, it, well, I guess we do do, like, um, stories, like, I think that they did, we did cover it, but mo- mainly it's, you know, Facebook and activists and individuals and following their work, because that's, you know, the boots on the ground people, so same with people's rights. Yeah, and you guys do a really great job. Um, I've helped film a lot of, of the HFI events in the Boise area uh, here and there. Uh, with like, they, You guys have had Dr. Judy Mikovits that have come and spoke at the Capitol, in the Capitol, and people showed up. It was really cool. So I, I really appreciate what you guys are doing, and it's just a wonderful relationship. Uh, that's, we just got to band together with other like-minded patriot groups, and... So I implore you, if you're, you know, in your area, look around. If, if you're not already doing so, I'm sure you are. If you listen to RBN, you probably are. Find those groups. And I definitely check out peoplesrights.org because it's going to be to make your life a lot easier if that's what you're looking for. And so I encourage people to, to check that out. You can also text the word RIGHTS, R-I-G-H-T-S, to 80123. And you can join that way. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls plus testing for heavy metals makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from Simply Clean Foods, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. 
go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on long-term food storage in the rotating sponsors banners to support rbn simply clean foods do it today you can't handle the truth you're listening to republic broadcasting network visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth